this hotel, they really kind of dive into making it legit. They show scenes of them offering yoga classes and like diving expeditions. All to the tune of Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> Who knows? Just because it's the 80s, we've got to put an 80s song in the movie. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we review your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries available on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Midstaff with your hosts, Jamie Zarlingo and Allison Mergens. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Allison. Today's film that we are reviewing is, uh, we have a lot to say about it. Um, do, well, did we get recommended this film by anyone or did you just... No, I saw the trailer for it on Netflix. So I was like, dang, that looks like a really poignant film. <laughs> yeah, it is on Netflix. It was released... On July, let me look at my notes, July 31st, it is called <clears throat> the Red Sea Diving Resort, aka Operation Brothers is what it is known in the real world. Um, this film premiered at the San Francisco Jewish Film Festival on July 28th and again was released on Netflix three days later. I had to count. <laughs> um, so I had no idea about like the history of this film. It's based uh, loosely on a true story of um, basically the um, the saving of thousands of Ethiopian Jewish refugees. It's a bit of a tongue twister there. Mm-hmm. Um, from Sudan to Israel in the early 1980s. And uh, stars Chris Evans as the lead character, Ari Levinson, an Israeli Mossad agent. Um, it's basically like the CIA or the FBI yeah, of Israel. Yeah, they're like this this secret service, not secret service, secret agents. Secret agent man. Um, he goes, I, when I was watching this, I wasn't, it's kind of hard to follow in the beginning. I feel like, and I, when I watched parts of it twice and it makes more sense. You really have to pay attention when you watch this movie, I think. And that's part of the problem, but we'll get into that. Um, he has like a like a fake name guy thomas and i didn't realize that was a fake name at first and i'm like me either. guy thomas <laughs> that's such a horrible name uh i only know one person with the first name guy and it always confused me until i was like 20 i'm like what it just makes me think of never been kissed the guy named guy in that movie yes you're quite a guy oh my that rhymes <laughs> yikes bikes <laughs> it's so great so um this film is two hours and 10 minutes it's i think it's not rated but i maybe it's rated r on netflix officially i think it would only be rated r just for language there's really not a lot of violence i mean violence that you see i guess right um it's definitely kind of like an action spy thriller movie and um it's a long one 
It is really long. So we, our plan today is to talk a little bit about the synopsis. Um, and then we're also going to really dive into the real story behind yes. this. It's amazing. Yes. This, these um, Ethiopian refugees. And um, I had no idea that there were villages of Jewish people or, you know, Jews in Africa that are from Africa had been there for, you know, they say thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that because um, I think it's a really important story to tell. And while I was doing a little bit of research, I realized I'm so ignorant to Africa in general. Same. I felt like I needed just so much more education on I, the topic. I Google mapped a lot of things because uh, I didn't know that Sudan was on the river. I am silly and I assume everything in Africa is landlocked landlocked and a desert but it's not mm-hmm. obviously has lots of coastline so um this film opens with uh, Ari and one of his buddies I think it's Sammy Sammy who is a doctor and they are trying to kind of get these people who are in these established villages out of of those areas and relocate them to a new place because there's a civil war going on yeah the this rebel group um is retaliating against the government so this you know this rebel group is going after all of these um, ethiopian jews so it's you know this great heart pounding you know fight scene almost where you know family in jeopardy a uh, guy comes in and saves this little boy. They hoodwink these rebels by driving a car into a hut. And then they get on um, some trucks and get the heck out of there. Um, while they're doing that, they get uh, captured mm-hmm. in in the city and sent back to Israel. And the Israeli, um, the Mossad, they're, like we said, the kind of... The, CIA are like, do not do that. We don't want you to go back to that place. Mm-hmm. It's super dangerous. And um, I guess they don't really think that it's kind of worth it in a way. It's kind of, that's yeah. kind of what I took from it. Yeah. Um, ben Kingsley plays Ethan Levin, who is, I guess, like the head of the Mossad. And he's telling um, Ari, basically, you know, this is obviously a big deal but it's in a country that nobody cares about you know and you know the israelis are are jewish as well and um ari kind of feels like a um he he actually um there's another character um kabete bimro who um is a i I would assume ethiopian as well and he's kind of made it his mission to help get these refugees out of they they're taken to sudan and they're trying to get to the holy land in in israel that's their main goal you know they're i think it's zionist like zionist zionist i obviously don't know very much about jewish culture and i feel awful um but learned a lot in researching this movie but anyway um they want to go to israel to for you know refuge refuge yeah and to see the holy land yeah um and i guess um they're some of like the oldest like thought to be like lost jewish tribes in Mm -hmm. africa and um but you know it's no one unfortunately really cares about what's going on 
And so Ari is like, we got to do something. We got to get these people to safety. We got to get them to Israel. And he comes up with this plan just by, I don't know, like map, looking at maps and finding this deserted resort called the Red Sea Diving Resort off the coast of um, Sudan. And he's like, we can basically use this as a front to smuggle these people out of Sudan and get them up the Red Sea to Israel. And um, they agree to it. And when they arrive, it's super decrepit. There's been some people kind of hiding out there, Mm -hmm. doing their own thing. And, um, you know, they end up actually advertising it in a lot of different different brochures and they have prior, to make it look legit yeah and prior to this it was a pretty successful resort a lot of uh, european travelers would come because it was um it's quite a drive from the capital of sudan uh the name of it escapes me but they um, can take a bus from the capital of sudan because you can get a direct flight there from a lot of these larger cities in europe and then it's kind of this like private beach. They've got you know coral reefs. There's lots mm-hmm. of fishing, and um, it's it's the Red Sea. It's not really crowded with you know maybe other places have a lot of traffic, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of um, you know wildlife or stuff like that. No. So um, people actually like show up within days of them getting there, and they've got a you know fake it till they make it as far as housing these people which ends up being the best you know cover that they could have asked for because they do have legit real life tourists there and when they get caught up with some of the rebels it is the perfect front you know they don't they're not going to go in and and shoot all these white people yeah um because they're actual tourists and they can't really find find them doing anything wrong for sure but the Sudanese like they start to kind of catch on a little bit and a little history lesson for you um Sudan and Israel are like sworn enemies and Sudan is a Muslim country and so there's all this conflict um between the two and they there's a scene where they are getting the first I think like 170 people out and they're successful, but they're driving through like basically a police checkpoint, and they decide to just run through it and almost kill some people. And when I was watching it the second time, I was like, "What? Why did they do that?" Um, and so the the like military basically is kind of starting to catch wind of what's going on, but they can't really prove anything. Um, and Ari Chris Evans is he does a really good job of just playing it off as oh you know we're just you know teaching people how to surf and you know how to fish and doing yoga and he you know really plays the part and then Greg Kinnear plays Walton Bowen who works for the CIA in America and he's kind of catching on to what they're doing too I don't really know what else again this this movie is a little hard to follow all of the different characters and like governments working with each other but he he's trying to help them but he can't or he's like suspicious he's, he doesn't want the u.s to kind of get involved in yeah. this um though it's um in the 80s and it's during president reagan's uh, presidency i don't really know why the cia this walton dude 
um, is involved, like, or what his angle is. I'm thinking that they just don't want the U.S. involved and they're kind of doing the, like, well, it's Africa. We don't really care about them is kind of what I took from it. What do you think? Well, yeah, and, like, so Ari is, he is originally from Israel. He was taken to the United States when he was like seven years old. He says there's a little a very short scene where he kind of explains his backstory. His mother basically gave him up for a better life or something and then he moved back to Israel when he was 18 and he's been there ever since basically working for their like FBI, CIA, whatever. So I don't really understand why the U.S. is involved at all. Who knows? They're like the world police but this hotel they really kind of dive into making it legit they show scenes of them offering yoga classes and like diving expeditions all to the tune of hungry like the wolf by duran duran (laughs) like why (laughs) who knows just because it's the 80s we gotta put an 80s song in the movie yes and the leader of this like rebels group colonel abdel ahmed who's played by chris chalk uh, he's actually really good in this movie. Like mm-hmm. he gives a really good performance. He is kind of trying to investigate what's going on here because obviously he doesn't want people getting smuggled out of Sudan. He wants to stop that. So he shows up after they ram through that uh, checkpoint mm-hmm. and says, you know, there should be bolt holes on the back of your trucks and there there aren't. And um, he tries to, or he successfully questions a woman who is working there, who um, only speaks the the language, which is Americ, I think is mm-hmm. how you say it. And so they're speaking right in front of, in front of this like crew of yeah. Israeli. Well, they're um, like having dinner and yes. he's really gross and like assaulting her. Yeah. It's, it's really uncomfortable. Pretty tragic. And, um, this colonel is so desperate to get information that he ends up rounding up a bunch of these, um, you know, refugees and kind of what I would say is like the middle of some city center or some town square or something like that. And he shoots a bunch of them in the head to try to get information. And that's Mm -hmm. how they kind of figure it out. And he starts putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and, they show different scenes, you know, um, another scene where they're trying to put all these people on boats or on trucks to get them get them out of the resort and get them to the port so that they can get on the boats. And there's these, like, driving scenes and shooting scenes. And, um, you know, ultimately, they um, end up transporting about 400 refugees to an abandoned British airfield. Yeah, um, and this is where the CIA guy comes back in because he um, Ari is basically like, we need your help. We need planes. There's no other way we're going to be able to get them out because boats aren't safe anymore. Right. Um, and it's a long boat ride uh, from the, the port all the way up to Israel. I think they said, what, three days? Mm-hmm. Yikes, on these small, you know, like they, dinghies. dinghies. They've got motors on them, but they're small. They don't have, you know, very high... Um, you know, sides and nobody has... It's like the Titanic, you know? Like yeah. The lifeboats kind of... But 
these people don't have life jackets. No. And three days is a really long time. So, um, you know, they got this great scene where they're loading everybody onto the plane. The rebels come after them and they successfully get everybody on the plane. And it's about 400 people shoved into this um, plane that only fits about 150. And they finally get to Israel. And um, that is like the ending scene of, of all of mm-hmm. them, you know, getting out of there. So the film itself is, I don't know if you can tell just from how we described it, is super hard to follow, especially if you don't know anything about this story or the Ethiopian Civil War. I didn't know any of this. I don't even know if I learned any of this in school. Probably did, but just like brushed over it, you know? But I didn't know anything about this. And watching the film, you have to pay attention to every single minute or you will miss something. They very briefly talk about the civil war they very briefly talk about like jews in ethiopia like they don't really give you a whole lot of information up front you have to just do a lot of like putting pieces together on your own um but the story itself is so fascinating well and when you say you have to really pay attention it's because they spend most of the time talking about like their mission and like their plans but the history behind it you know the the stuff the story that it's based on is only like sprinkled into this little bit uh let's talk about how like badass and awesome and heroic we are you know what i mean yeah for sure we'll talk more about the the historical aspect of this film a couple of themes and maybe just what we liked when we didn't like about it but uh first let's talk about what we're watching now Now let's take a quick break for our segment, Side Streaming, where we catch up on some of the other content we're currently watching on Netflix, Hulu, Prime, and more. Okay, so as I said in the last episode, I am rewatching Breaking Bad. That's all I'm watching is more Breaking Bad. And you know what? You guys can't see me. I'm wearing my Heisenberg shirt. She is. And right it's now. A pretty BA. Um, and guess what? I'm only watching Breaking Bad, too. <laughs> I honestly think that we should review it sometime. I don't think we could ever review the whole show. I mean, that would take hours and hours and hours, but maybe we could, like, review a couple of the seasons, or I don't know. I just, I freaking love Breaking Bad. We're trying to get everyone in this office to watch Breaking Bad who hasn't yet. And you guys, Breaking Bad ended six years ago. Wow. And it started in, I think, 2008. Yeah. So it's been a long time since the show has started and ended, but still in love with it. It's because El Camino, and we will review that because obviously. Obvi. I am, I think I'm almost done with season three. Again, if you're unfamiliar with Breaking Bad and don't want to be spoiled, just skip ahead over this part. But I just, um, Jesse met, um, is, oh my, is it Adrian or what is her name? Isn't it Adrian? Is it Adrian? I don't know. I haven't gotten it's there yet. Something with an A at that, um, like, Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Yeah. And he finds out that her little brother um, is the one who shot his friend. And so he's trying to get Walt to help him kill these dealers that, you know, put this kid up to it. And this is where things are really starting to, like, get really, like, tough with, like, Walt and um, Skyler. 
They are about to buy the car wash to help launder all of his money. Um, there's just, it's about to get pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. But uh, it's it's so great, you guys. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad, it's amazing. You just, you need to. Oh. You need to. You know what else I'm watching, which everyone must watch because it will fill your heart with so much joy and it's so pure, is The Great British Baking Show. I want to watch it. I want to. So why don't you? I don't know. Because I'm watching Breaking Bad and I'm watching this movie. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a lot of extra time. When you have a spare, when you're like, okay, too much meth going on. <laughs> I got to get some flour and some baking up in here. Watch it. You guys... Great British Baking Show is one of my favorite shows of all time. My complaint is that now that it's moved from, I think, Channel 4 um, to Netflix, is this season they're only putting out one episode a week, and why are they punishing us? Because that's cruel. I need to watch Paul Hollywood's Steely Blue Eyes <laughs> for eight hours in a row or 12 hours in a row. Um, it's so wonderful and amazing. It's unlike american shows because everybody loves each other nice to each other and they they cheer each other on they help each other and um it's so loving it makes me cry like when people win because they are so pure and um and wonderful um a couple things that are on my list to watch um when i decide that i need a break is going to be queen of the south um because hannah bryant from Wayna Wednesday and another one of our recruiters here have suggested it to me um I'm also gonna watch thinking about watching Jack Ryan on Amazon me too um it's a Tom Clancy I don't know what that is uh <laughs> isn't it based on a book series or am I making that up he, uh, yes yes I'm gonna say that with confidence yes um but I don't know if it's true and um it's it's uh it looks to be really good they put a lot of money into marketing this show and how can you not with jim in it aka jim or uh, john krasinski Krasinski, hell yeah um so i'm probably i'm probably gonna watch that and um i saw that grace and frankie got renewed for its seventh season final season Mm. because god jane fonda's gotta be getting old um right She's probably what, what, how, let's guess, how old do you think Jane Fonda is? I would say 78. I was going to say 78. How old is she? Jane Fonda. Pause for a Google search. 81. <gasps> what? I kind of thought in the back of my mind that she was over 80, but I'm like, she can't be, but she is. Oh my God. How old is, um, oh my gosh, is it Lily Tomlin? Yes. How old is she? Let's find out. I started watching Grace and Frankie. I never finished it. I started I, it too, and it's hilarious. She's 80. How? Well, she was mm, She was in like 9 to 5, wasn't she? Yes. With Dolly Parton back in the day? Yes. Working 9 to 5. She I is. Love that song. Lily Tomlin is the voice of uh, Miss Frizzle in Magic School Bus. No, she's not. Yeah. What? Yeah, can you believe? Kate McKinnon is the new... Can you believe? Kate McKinnon is the new Miss Frizzle, isn't she? Yes. In the revamped show. 
I really want to watch Killing Eve. I know you were talking about oh, it. I started watching Killing Eve. It, you guys, I amazing? forgot. It's pretty good. So the premise of it is, um, uh, I almost call her Christina Yang. Damn it. <laughs> Sandra O's oh character is Eve, and she is an American but works for like the British intelligence agency, and she tries to hunt down assassins. And she basically... Um, gets discovered her identity is discovered by this assassin they're trying to track down who um is this assassin she's french and she's young and she's beautiful and really unassuming and uh they have an actual exchange face to face unknowingly to either of them um which they both kind of discover at the same time and it's this this assassin girl who's probably in her late 20s is basically trying to track down eve while eve's trying to track her down Hmm. and um it's really fascinating and i thought before i started watching it i was like oh my god i can't see sandra oh in like a serious role um but don't worry she's not serious um she is the bubbly fun um but you know she can be serious at times but she's brilliant and uh she won an emmy for her role in this show so um it's really good it's on hulu i think that there are two seasons thus far i uh, took a break from it for some silly reason uh, last week to start watching breaking bad and i just uh labor day weekend i did nothing but blaze through that show so that's a good reminder um that i need to watch that and then there's there's a ton of shows that are starting up again on like broadcast and television that I'm excited about. Uh, Saturday Night Live yes. comes with its 46th season. I've been watching the clips of like the vintage SNL mm-hmm. skits on Instagram and they make me crack up. I watched the one yesterday of the Oprah giveaway and it's like all your favorite gals <laughs> from SNL from like the early 2000s and it's so freaking funny. I watch SNL clips all the time, especially any, like, it's so funny when they have, like, vintage clips and, like, Keenan Thompson is in it, because that shows you how long he's been on this show. He is the longest, like, casted member he's of SNL. amazing, and if you're a 90s kid like us, you've been watching Keenan Thompson on television for, like, two decades. He's amazing. I love him, and he's hilarious. I hope he never leaves, but at the same time, I also hope he, like, does something else with his life. Because you can only be in SNL for so long. Um, oh, my God. This is mm. Us is coming back? Yes, it is on the 24th. But no, I'm still on. Leslie Jones is leaving SNL. She, I think it's time for her. She's like, you know, she's hitting the top. She's peaking. And she's coming down a little bit from her peak. I think she peaked like this mm. time last year a little bit. But she's still riding that high. And I want like her and Tiffany Haddish to be like doing movies and um i would love to see leslie jones in film she's so funny god she is so great she did did she do some commentary for the olympics yes she did she was great oh my gosh she she loves the olympics yes she loves the olympics and uh like she did i i think i saw her do something for serena williams and i was like yes black females hell yes i need it and uh I am just, I'm really happy for her. I'm interested to see mm-hmm. some new faces and 
bring back some I I love I always love when they bring back you know former cast members onto it and it's so great I'm really excited for all the fall shows to come back I need something else to do with my time I guess (laughs) Uh, with what little time I have but uh that is what we are watching now and now back to our review Okay, everybody, let's get into the second part of our review of the Red Sea Diving Resort. We're going to talk about the true story behind this film that Allison and I feel was not really done justice because this is a very, very interesting story. And we actually both found the same article um, from a, um, it's um, Aish, I'm so sorry, uh, Hatora. It's a like Jewish Israeli website newsletter. They have program stories um, where they interviewed uh, one of the women who was actually behind um, the operation in Sudan, Yola Reitman. I also have another one from Time Magazine okay. that I want to talk about too. Okay. What what you don't get, I will um, kind of fill in some blanks too because this is a super fascinating story. Um, you know, the genocide in Rwanda happened in 94, um, obviously the Holocaust with Jews. So um, it's kind of like this population of people is caught um, in a, from a timeline standpoint right in the middle of these two enormous humanitarian crises. Mm-hmm. And they fit both profiles of kind of what these people, you, you know, two very... Um, very marginalized groups of individuals, not only from a cultural and religious standpoint, but from a racial standpoint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Yola was, um, she actually is uh, an avid deep sea diver, which is interesting. And she was a flight attendant, which her character in the film is, uh, doesn't have the same name. And she's kind of given a side character plot point, which is, uh, kind of disappointing to me given how much she was actually involved um but her diving instructor is actually the one who called her he'd been recruited by the israeli intelligence agency the Mossad, as we had said um to kind of assist in this operation the year was 1982 and uh the israel's prime minister menachem begin oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, was determined to rescue the long-lost Jewish tribe, the Beta Israel. For centuries, communities of Jews lived in some 500 villages in northern Ethiopia with a millennia-long yearning to return to Zion. Through Though Beta Israel's precise Jewish connection had been a topic of debate, prominent rabbis from the 16th century uh, recognized their Jewish roots. And um, it was, so like Jamie just said, they don't really know when those people got there. They think it was over a thousand years ago. But the first wave of Ethiopian Jews, you know, they were really disconnected from, you know, the Holy Land and kind of the, what you would say, the mainstream Jews in a way. Um, but they started coming to Israel in the 30s. Mm. That was like the first wave of Jews that <clears throat> that left Africa and came. And then the next one was this Beta Israel a group and that's kind of what they what they deemed them as and they came in the 60s and the early 70s and then um 
it kind of tapered off a little bit and this is where the story picks up because yep. they were fleeing for like asylum reasons uh, also because you know they want to go to the holy land but they're under attack yeah and um like like it is depicted in the film they do go to sudan it's a muslim country member of the arab league they're sworn enemy of israel and so uh the operation was going to be difficult of course um so uh the red sea is a, a scuba divers paradise with the coral reefs diverse population of fish dolphins and sharks and a group of italian investors um basically bought um a little patch of of the beach for the red sea diving tours and um then abandoned it the resort is was actually named aros on aros on the red sea and israelis with european backgrounds which is the characters that we meet in the movie would pose as entrepreneurs from a swiss travel firm to promote the woeful Sudanese tourism industry. So that's kind of the premise they go under. It reminds me a lot of uh, Argo, which is also based on a true story of how all these people to go save these, uh, the Iraqi, it was Iraq, right? Or No, Iran, to save the Iran hostages go under the ruse of we're creating this fantasy sci-fi film and mm-hmm. we're looking for locations. So similar concept um, and amazingly to true stories um and so they purchased the resort for three hundred and twenty thousand dollars um for three years and had official protection from the tourism ministry and um yola comes back into play here she had both knowledge of dc diving and tourism she was also a talented administrator and she later became chief flight attendant at l L all or is it L I? Wait, how do you spell it? it? I can't tell if it's. I think it's L I L all maybe. Oh. Um, so she had a ton of background that was gonna help make their story legit. She had a lot of uh, just experience in diving and tourism, so it's gonna definitely help keep the ruse up. Um, the rescue operation cost millions of dollars just to keep up this this front but um they did get a steady stream of income from paying guests again like the movie depicts tourists eventually did come because of the brochures they seemed so legitimate they came they started you know teaching these classes they they offered first-rate gear uh professional dive masters fresh food although also like in the film they had to do a lot of renovations because it was kind of a dump. And so all of the work and money that they put in just to save these people is pretty remarkable. Um, and the locals had, and the tourists had absolutely no idea, which is amazing that they were able to keep it, keep it a secret, basically. Um, in Sudan, Yola established really good relations with the governor of the Port Sudan region because of, uh, because of Sharia law she secretly supplied whiskey to the local chief of police and that actually helped them um, not get as many roadblocks when they were uh, transporting refugees, which is pretty cool. Um, And then one day the army conducted a routine anti-smuggling raid on the resort. Yola was tipped off in advance by a local businessman grateful for the freshly baked bread that she supplied him with daily. And this gave them time to hide some of their more suspicious gear. Um, 
And then one night while transferring refugees onto the dinghies, this is also depicted in the film, the Israelis were caught red-handed by Sudanese soldiers looking for smugglers. Um, the Mossad agents began yelling, what do you think we're doing? We're showing off the beauty of night diving in Sudan. There's a scene in the movie where they did get caught in almost the exact same excuse. Like, we're doing night sea diving. What are you doing? You're ruining it. And the soldiers believed them and just mm-hmm. backed off like, whoa, sorry. And then two years into the operation is when they decided that boats weren't safe anymore. And that's when they wanted to bring airplanes in. Um and then uh, it came to a, this is not depicted in the movie, which is interesting. Um, it came to a halt in 1984 when a Israeli politician bragged about it and it put all these people's lives at risk where um, they, basically the Sudanese government was going to come and murder them all. And so all of the Mossad people left the resort with tourists still there basically just overnight and so crazy but they were able to save um the operation brothers uh rescue saved twelve thousand refugees Mm -hmm. in the span of three years which is amazing and i found this really fascinating the sudanese operation marked the first time in history that blacks have been systematically removed from one country to another in freedom rather than in chains Whoa. I think that's amazing. That just gave me chills. Right? It's amazing. Um, and then after this operation came um, four other ones that saved thousands and thousands of more lives. It basically was like inspiration to continue to get refugees to Israel, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. They did Operation Moses, which was um, something they had to go back to after this Israeli politician blew their cover. Um, and then they did... Uh, a couple years later, Operation Solomon. Um, I love that they're using these uh, traditional Israeli names, very mm-hmm. biblical names, Old Testament names. Um, and that in total from, gosh, uh, the early 70s to 91, they estimate 90,000 refugees um, from Ethiopia wow. were able to um, be a kind of pushed into the community um in israel by the end of by the end of the 90s and um there still are refugees in sudan because um you know it's hard for israel to support all of these people Mm -hmm. um way back in the 70s when this was kind of like becoming a a thing and people realized okay gosh like there are these people in sudan who claim that they're jewish Um, A lot of people in Israel had issue with that. Um, They didn't know where they came from, how they got there, how could they be, uh, how could they test their Jewishness, Um, and and they determined that they must have been from a lost tribe of Dan, because if you're not familiar with, um, you know, how Judaism spread, there were 12 tribes of Israel um, for Elijah? I, I'm not familiar. I don't know with the man. I'm Judaism. I'm so sorry. Um, but there's 12 tribes of Israel. We and should they, have had somebody Jewish join us for this one. You know what? I'm embarrassed to say it since I went to Catholic school. <laughs> um, I did spend my entire sophomore year studying um, the Old Testament and Jewish history, and I took a, a class in college on the Damn it, Allison. Old Testament, but that was about eight years ago. 
Um, but there were 12 tribes of Israel. One of them was the tribe of Dan, and they think that this was this was a tribe that um, kind of, you know, uh, went across the sea. You know, Sudan um, is not far. It, it's directly below Egypt. So it would make sense that, that, you know, they would travel kind of spread out far and wide. So um, it wasn't until like 73 that they basically said, okay, we affirm you as legit Jews. And that's kind of sad and would be probably probably pretty hurtful for those people. Yeah. And um, it's still, you know, a big struggle. You know, these the, the Jewish people uh, in Israel, there's been so much kind of, um, uh, I don't know what the word is that I'm searching for, but so much political unrest as far as claim to the Holy Land between, um, you know, the Jews and a lot of Muslims. We know that um, there's a lot of chaos with uh, like Tel Aviv versus uh, Jerusalem being the capital. Um, even our president has spoke about it. And um, so there's so much political unrest um, in the Holy Land. And this has just been like another part of the, their saga of, of all this. Mm-hmm. And it's been really hard um, for for them to try to absorb and, and take in all of these people. Um, but Interestingly enough, Tel Aviv is a huge, um, like, tourist spot, and um, they, they, Israel makes a lot of money off tourism because uh, you get a birthright trip when you are Jewish that you get to um, go to the Holy Land, and from what I understand, if you can prove your lineage, um, Israel will pay for it. But wow. Yes, but they um, make a lot of money in, in other, you know, tourists, but tour um in part of the tourism um business but there's so much unrest and it's uh pretty sad in my opinion that they weren't able to delicately tell this story in in the way that it should have been the the guy who wrote and directed this is from israel um his name is gideon raff um, and he, like I said, wrote and directed it, and it's got a great cast. I mean, Chris Evans, Captain America, he's great. Um, Alessandro Nivola, he is in Game of Thrones. Um, we've got, you know, Haley Bennett. We've got Ben Kingsley, Greg Kinner. Um, really, really great actors. Um, They're just not given anything to work with. Right, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording the the writing is so poor the storyline is the so writing is horrible poor it's so cheesy that they do with it what they can as far as trying to add some depth we don't really get you know much backstory on these people and and there's really you know they try really hard to have some real Sudanese and some real Ethiopians in there and um they're the just guy, not really given much of a like a face you know no the like, guy they're who, just kind of in the background the guy who plays uh Kabad, Kabadi is that what his Kabedi. name is Kabedi um I believe he is Ethiopian or uh Sudanese rather um but he doesn't get as much 
screen time in my opinion for a story that's meant to be about africa then the you know number of minutes that there is a black person on screen is not that many and it's this total white savior complex it is it's so frustrating you know this this incredible story is just completely drowned by poor writing just a really hard to follow story there's no history like in the first two minutes there's like a very quick little title card that goes away within like three seconds and you're like wait i had to go back and pause because i'm like well what does this say gives you very very little information on what you're about to watch so it's hard to follow and again this isn't a story that maybe a lot of people know i think maybe people might know about you know the civil war but they might not even know anything about the history of you know Jews in Ethiopia or this resort in general or this rescue mission and how thousands and thousands of lives were saved like they basically chum it up to a couple of title cards to tell you what's going on or what happened or you know how many lives were eventually saved it's so it's just not given what it needs to be given I wish that this story were given a bigger platform I wish that there were more hands on it I wish they'd spent more time on it it's just it just kind of fell flat. And um, the woman who's supposed to play Yola, this is what frustrates me so much, is Chris Evans' character doesn't exist. But Yola does. And from what I you know, researched on her and everything that she did and all these amazing things that she did to help keep the story under wraps for years, it's, it's completely rewritten to show, oh, this big white man. And I hate to say that, but it's true that saved everybody when Mm -hmm. it was a team effort there's a female character that's almost completely written out in all the things that she did the tone of this movie is weird like sometimes it's kind of goofy and kind of funny and then sometimes it's like really dark it's just it's not I know that their heart was in the right place to tell this incredible story and the real Yola was actually hired as a consultant on this film and she said that it's nice to see Hollywood talking about something important. The film treats the Ethiopian issue Ethiopian issue with sensitivity and shows Israel's wonderful humanitarian side and I feel maybe she said that before she saw the movie um, because I, I don't feel that way. I feel that it was kind of a letdown when we watched the trailer for this. I was like really excited about it and I was disappointed. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the producer of this film is, uh, gosh, I can't remember her name, but her dad is a billionaire movie producer from Israel. Um, Arnon Milchan, uh, who owns Regency enterprises. They've done, loads of films that you have heard of and he's been producer um, on them a midsummer's night's dream a fight club a black knight daredevil man on fire Electra, mr and mrs smith wow all these films he's been like a producer or executive producer which i've come to understand is just like some business dude who is an executive and gets to make little teeny changes if he wants but he just makes all the money and um, so his daughter was the one who produced this film. So it's a little strange to me that uh, they didn't have better writing. Yeah, I mean, they have like actual Israeli people behind it, but it just it didn't hit the mark. No, and it didn't do great justice for the story, uh, despite what Miss Yola 
says. Unfortunately. I think that they could have. And, and they didn't even film it in Africa, which no. I imagine, you know, budget-wise, I wouldn't want to go to Sudan, probably. But mostly in the States and in Canada is, um, is where they, they filmed a lot of this movie. I don't know what the budget was. Um, but uh, I can't imagine if it were to come out in theaters, even a small, small release, that it would do very well. Overall, critic reviews of this have been pretty negative, unfortunately, um, mostly because of the, like, it's uninspiring and the story isn't, it just falls flat. So I, I was happy to know that we weren't the only ones who felt that way. Um, but uh, we can just get into our own reviews. I think I'm going to give this one, I feel bad, I'm going to give it a two out of five. And it's because of everything I've already said, but it's a great story. It just was not given the platform that it deserved. It needed more. I, th- I think they just put, you know, Chris Evans in this movie to say, and is he Jewish in real life? <laughs> Probably I don't think so. Not. You can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But I just wish that there were more... I I wish we knew more history of this story. I wish that it was more accurate. I wish it was less, you know, glamorized and Hollywoodized and whitewashed. And it was really about the refugees and, and how they were saved and, you know, went to the Holy Land. I just wish there was more of that as opposed to just this, oh, let's throw Captain America in here. I'll get people to watch it, you know. And I love Chris Evans. I think he's great. But I just don't think that this was... I don't think it was a good fit for him, and I just don't think it was a good film all around. I'm sorry. I think um, knowing who Chris Evans is by his like outspoken um, attitude on a lot of political and social justice issues, I think he probably thought that he was doing a great thing by joining this film, yeah. and I'm sure it paid him handsomely. And it's, it has a lot more depth than, you know, Captain America and some of the other stuff that, that he's done. But, you know, like we talked earlier in our Disney episode about like the Little Mermaid and like we've had some discussions about whitewashing of Hollywood. This, you know, this is just another way, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know. So this character that they made up and they made up his backstory for him to be like white and American, but Israeli, it's just it's just really weird. Yeah. And I wish that um, maybe you know maybe they needed to have a uh, a leading actor um, with a with a big name to try to draw the crowd in. But maybe some of these other actors that they that they got could have had a little Jewish background. Like imagine that would have been great. And then even more Ethiopians and more screen time and more depth to their story. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's a story about these people, why aren't they, you know, represented? It's, you know, so silly to me. Um, I think that they really should have taken a uh, page out of the book of Hotel Rwanda. If you haven't watched that film, it's incredible. I think it came out in 2004 um, about the genocide between... uh, the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda, and they have a cast full of truly African people, including Don Cheadle, um, who 
plays the lead role, but uh, my review on this one is 1.5 out of 5. I think that's your lowest one. Yeah. What have I rate? What else did I rate really low that I hate it? Or what did we hate? I think the only other film that we did not really like was um, the Ted Bundy movie. Oh, yeah. That one was bad. That one was just boring. I think. Same kind of situation where the actors, you know, did w- what they could with what they were given. The story was bad. The story wasn't good. So this one comes down on you, Gideon. Sorry, bud. <laughs> um, and the producers, um, you know, they sh- they could have done a little bit more. Um, the music is a little goofy. Yeah. And even just like like the score is like it feels like it's just weird. It just doesn't feel like it fits. Just, no. There's a lot wrong with this. So I would say I don't recommend it. I, I think if you really want to know the, this amazing story, just read about it. I feel like you'll... I learned so much more from reading this article from this Jewish website than I did from watching the movie, if that tells you anything. Yes. And um, I read some, like I said, from Time at Magazine. They actually do a great in-depth um, examination of this. So definitely do some research on the, uh, Beta Israel, which is the group of Ethiopian Jews. And you'll learn, you know, so much about it. And, um, there are hundreds of thousands of refugees in the world right now. So maybe it'll make you think about refugees a little bit and, um, think about the Middle East and Africa, because I didn't know where any of these countries were on a map. Yeah, definitely uh, put some, it put it in perspective for me on just being more conscious of what else is going on in the world, what has gone on. Um, so maybe we should, maybe we should watch more historical films and, you know, kind of expand our horizons a little bit. Yes, we're getting into spooky season, so we're probably going to be getting into some scarier movies, some, uh, maybe some old classics, but um, I think having a, a more worldly view of some films is great. There are some really amazing, um, you know, international films. Israel is really known for having great films, foreign films, at the Oscars every year. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll have to dig into yeah. that. Yeah. And if you have any recommendations, let us know. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if you think we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming. <laughs>